This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, helping you unlock money you didn't know you had. Members-only discounts that can save you tons. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. The mental anguish of war and terror. Even those who are far from the front can be traumatized from looking at images of the Hamas rampage. And a first-hand account from Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Semcha Yakubovich. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. France's interior minister has banned all pro-Palestinian demonstrations in the country amid a rise in anti-Semitism triggered by the Israel-Hamas war. Gérard Darmanin said that over a 100 anti-Semitic acts had been recorded since last Saturday's horrific terrorist attacks. Most involved graffiti showing swastikas and chants of death to Jews. However, some people were arrested attempting to carry knives into schools and synagogues. He also ordered foreign nationals who break the rules to be systematically deported. Meanwhile, in Germany, Chancellor Olaf Scholz declared zero tolerance for anti-Semitism, and he told Parliament a pro-Palestinian group that had celebrated the murders of Israeli civilians would be banned. Berlin police have also banned planned pro-Palestinian demonstrations, citing the risk of anti-Semitic statements and the glorification of violence. Salman Rushdie has written a memoir about his stabbing at a book reading last year that left him gravely injured and blind in his right eye. Rushdie says the book, entitled Knife, Meditations After an Attempted Murder, was a way for him to take charge of what happened and to answer violence with art. Ultra-processed foods like sugary drinks, potato chips, and ready meals can cause withdrawal symptoms similar to people trying to quit smoking. This is prompting a team of scientists to advocate for the labeling of certain products as addictive. According to a report in the British Medical Journal, addiction to ultra-processed food affects 14% of adults and 12% of children around the world. By way of comparison, the report says addiction to tobacco impacts 18% of the population. Following a seven-year mission in space, NASA has unveiled the first bits of an asteroid and the results may change the way we think about the origin of life on Earth. The salt and pepper chunks of rocks and space dust were brought back to Earth from the asteroid Bennu. The samples are full of carbon, water molecules, and several types of minerals, all elements that scientists say may have come together to create the beginnings of life as we know it. And just a week after setting a record as the world's oldest skydiver, a 104-year-old Chicago woman died quietly in her sleep. 
Dorothy Hoffner was born in December 1918 and began skydiving at the age of 100. She says it wasn't to make any point, but simply because she wanted to and it looked like fun. She never married or had children, which Hoffner believed allowed her more freedom and a chance for adventure. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. We begin with a first-hand account of life in Israel in the week following last Saturday's barbaric terror attacks by Hamas. Simcha Yakubovich, the filmmaker behind The Naked Archaeologist, lives in the center of the country. But one of his daughters was stuck in a shelter in the border town of Sterot for 30 hours and made a narrow escape while terrorists rampaged through the streets. His son's best friend was killed in the fighting, and his assistant's nephew has been taken hostage. Thank God, you know, my immediate family were all okay. But it's there's a ripple effect that goes across the country, and the, there's the enormity of the brutality. A lot of families are also traumatized and blaming the government, first of all, for the whole thing, but also because uh, the army didn't get to them for a very long time. Uh, what's your take on that? In terms of the, the army not getting there, I think that, and I'm not agreeing with this, but I think what happened was that the, look, obviously Iran is behind this, and um, we've got Hezbollah in the north. So the feeling was that Hamas, which is um, a lesser organization in terms of rockets and, and, and firepower and military prowess, they would strike first there would be a the whole army would go down south and when they when the, when half the army or whatever it is would go down south we would get a much more devastating attack from the north by ran back uh, hezbollah so it would be one two punch so i think the government was afraid of that and therefore the army did not move quickly south and I think that uh, Netanyahu, the prime minister, wanted to first hear from the United States that the United States has Israel's back, that in case an attack comes from the north, the U.S. will help us. Is there a widespread feeling that this was a massive failure of intelligence? I think there's a widespread feeling that there was a massive failure on every level. I suspect that the intelligence was there, but the analysis was wrong. They didn't take Hamas's ideology seriously. Everybody talks about two-state solution, Palestinian state. They don't understand Hamas. Hamas that rules in Gaza does not believe in any state, including a Palestinian state. The ideology is Islamist, and what that means is they see statehood. Just the idea of a state, of a country, as a Western colonial invention. What they want is a worldwide Islamic republic. That's what they believe in. Nobody takes them seriously. They say Palestinian state to the media because it sounds good. But if you look at what they believe in and their published ideology or what they say in Arabic or what they say in everything that every interview that they've ever given, what they want is is an Islamic Republic. So everybody didn't take that seriously, their, their ideology seriously. Oh, they really just say that, but they really want power. And if we, if we give them the ability to have power, uh, 
and negotiate with them as if they were a real partner, they'll never start a war. That was the idea. So I don't think the guys on the ground didn't get the intelligence. But I think the guys in the big offices, they didn't believe um, that they would do this. For example, um, recently there were demonstrations in, uh, in Gaza against Hamas for lack of work. Now, that should have immediately, um, you know, they're not a democracy. They don't allow demonstrations. How is it that suddenly are demonstrations? Well, Hamas then went to the Israelis and said, look, you got to let more Gaza workers into Israel, because like 100,000 come into Israel every day. You've got to give us 10,000 more because we got to give them jobs. And if you don't let us, uh, if you don't give them work, we'll have to lobby more rockets. So the Israelis agreed to let them come into Israel. Basically, it was an advanced party for this invasion. They scouted all the, all the villages that they were going to go into, rape, mutilate, and murder. And Israel facilitated that because Israel did not take seriously the ideology of Hamas and thought, yeah, they just want jobs. Are you worried that now that the retaliation has begun, that we've seen this unprecedented solidarity and countries standing with Israel, but now that the retaliation has begun, are you worried that the narrative will change to what about uh, the civilians in Gaza? These guys, Hamas, put their bunkers and their leadership under hospitals, under schools. They understand media very, very well. I'm a journalist. I've been in Gaza. I've covered Gaza. And I know, I know what they do. They basically manipulate us, uh, uh, you know, in, in the most brutal way, because what they do is they use their own children as shields. Do you think yeah. that all this international support will dissipate once we see pictures? I think I don't think all of it will dissipate, but I think some of it will dissipate because there because there's some people right now that are too embarrassed by what just happened to go against Israel. But I don't think so. I think that the United States at this point understands what what is happening, and I think that Hamas overplayed its card. They think we can go back to the status quo. It, it's impossible. Israel will not, the Israeli population, even if the government wanted to go back to the way it was, <coughs> it's not possible. Nobody's going to agree to go back and wait for the next massacre. So basically, the, the strategic goal of Israel today, with the, with the backing of the United States, England, uh, Canada, I hope, but certainly um there was a joint declaration by England, Italy, France. People understand that this ISIS-type organization has to be dismantled. And if they're going to use their own people as shields, I think Israel will be given a few months to dismantle the, this organization. And, and, and it, yeah, the images are going to be horrible. But, you know, yesterday the, uh, Israel told the Palestinians in Gaza City to flee. And, and told them that there's, you know, they sent around by WhatsApp and all this, this kind of corridors where you can, you can run. So just like my daughter ran out of Stehot, I hope that these people run out of this, their towns because the retaliation will come. Thanks so much. Thank you, Libby. Thank you so much.
That was filmmaker Simcha Yakubovich. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, dealing with the trauma of watching images of the terrorist rampage. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca. The images coming out of the barbaric Hamas attack on Israeli civilians are more graphic than ever, and they've been playing out on social media in real time. They're also being broadcast on mainstream media. The perpetrators want to instill terror and the victims want the world to know what's happening. But watching these images can be traumatic. I talked to psychologist Dr. Sam Claridge. This week, we marked World Mental Health Day as people were grappling with these increasingly violent and graphic images out of the war on Israel. Parents have been warned to delete their kids' social media account. Uh, What do you make of this? Well, because they're so graphic and so upsetting and so horrific, I think certain people would be wise not to have a not to um not to pay attention to that, not to look at it, not to have anything to do with it. In fact it's um it's a horrible, terrible thing. What people do to one another is just disgusting. But when these terrorists just do these horrific acts, it's in no one's best interest to um to have a look at stuff like that. It's 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 totally inhumane. And I mean how do you explain anything like that? Are some people more uh, vulnerable to this, more likely to be upset than others? I think people who are prone to anxiety, to fear, excessive worry, uh, depression, uh, those emotional responses, yes, they might be more vulnerable. Even ones who maybe don't have those emotions would be vulnerable. Um, they might be traumatized seeing like seeing something like this for the first time seeing what um, these terrorists can do to human beings. I mean, it's disgusting. So usually people who have some emotional issues that they're wrestling with would be um, very vulnerable. And even people who don't have emotional issues certainly would be, um, there's the prospect that they might be traumatized by something like this. Is there a way to unglue? I mean, it it seems like it, it can be somewhat obsessive behavior. Yeah, well, basically um, shutting it off, but some people um, just won't do it. They need to be, they need to know what is going on minute by minute, hour by hour. And yeah, I mean, it has obsessive features to it, but if it's too upsetting, then it's in everyone's best interest. I mean, if we, I mean, if we get too upset by it to just shut the TV or turn, turn on to something mindless or just watch a sporting event or, a, or, a, or a decent movie that, that we really enjoy and just put our minds at rest. On the other side, too, I mean, Israel wants the world to know what is going on there. Usually yeah. Israel is the one singled out for condemnation. So, uh, you know, they have an interest in, in showing the full extent of the violence as well. Yes, they would have an interest in letting the public know what these terrorists um, are capable of and um, what their method of operation is like. Yes, that's that's true. We need to educate people who aren't as well educated yet as they need to be, that these terrorists are just 
They're an abomination. And yes, it would serve that purpose. Israeli parents and Jewish parents have been advised to delete their kids' social media accounts. Uh, Hamas has threatened to start beheading people and broadcasting it live. Uh, I mean, should everybody be deleting their kids' social media accounts? Um, I guess it's on um, how we present ourselves to our children. Um, and to sit down and talk to them, I think, would be very important about what all this means that there are certain evil acts on, on the planet, certain evil people on the planet, and unfortunately they um, they appear on these social media accounts. And is it in our best interest to watch anything like that? And maybe for a time being, maybe they need to be cut off so that children don't... I mean, the minute sometimes parents tell children not to do something, they'll do the opposite. So we've got to, we've got to watch out for that. And, and the way to control it, I guess, is to cut off the accounts temporarily until... This stops if it ever does, and let's hope it does. It is age-dependent. It all depends on uh, how well they can understand um, their critical thinking capacity. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I guess the basic message is that there are certain people on this planet who commit evil acts, and they're called terrorists. And um, they have no qualms about killing people, and it's a terrible, horrible thing. I mean, how do you convey that to a child? I guess in its simplest terms, um, convey it because the children will, I mean, if they, I mean, if they associate with one another, I mean, they'll find out anything. They'll share stories with one another and you want to present your story in the best way possible to your child. And it's just to explain it in simple terms that, um, there's evildoers on this planet. And unfortunately, um, um, they're active right now. Sam Claridge, thanks so much. Thank you, Libby. That was psychologist Dr. Sam Claridge. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Weekend Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.